Welcome to My Teacher Friends Podcast. My name is Rachel, and I am a middle school choir teacher. I'm so excited to be hosting this podcast to share stories, teaching tips, and inspiration. Each week, I'll be joined by one of my smart, talented, passionate teacher friends for a conversation about all things education. Join us, because there's no job as challenging or as rewarding as being a teacher. Hey everyone, welcome back. It has been a few weeks. I am just finishing up my spring break. So this episode is coming out a week late because I was resting and recharging and can honestly say I'm feeling pretty good and ready to go back to school tomorrow. Well, when you're listening to this, it is Monday. So today and finish out the rest of this school year. Today's episode, I'm really excited. This episode is with my friend Jessie and this is definitely the oldest teacher friend I, well, the teacher friend that I've known the longest and the conversation was really fun. Um, It was really great to connect with Jesse. He has some really good insight to share with you and he's all about giving his students experiences. I think you're going to learn a lot from this episode. So without further ado, here's my friend Jesse. Today I'm joined by my good friend Jesse. I've known Jesse for 20 years. Podcast listeners, I think that this is my oldest friend so far on the podcast. So let's get started with a little bit about you. Can you share your educational history, where you went to school, and what other professional jobs you've had leading up to where you are today? Yeah. Um, so I, now I can only think of just you and me as little third graders running around throwing snow at each other. <laughs> um, so yes, um, I have. Uh, I went to to college at UWSB. And I remember it because, you know, growing up, like, especially in middle school, we talked about, (laughs) uh, I was a nightmare of a child and teachers were the enemy. And all of a sudden I remember it was like seventh grade English class. And I'm looking around the room like, oh, how would I decorate my classroom? Oh, (laughs) like, oh no. (laughs) And, and so I, from then on, I wanted to be a teacher and Uh, When I went to college, I declared as an elementary education. So not many, so Rachel, probably you did not know this, um, but very few people, like when we went back to to Ripon, knew that I was a teacher or wanted and were very surprised that I was in the care of children. (laughs) Yeah, just to paint a picture for you listeners, I knew Jesse as the jock who was like nice and funny, but also like could tease you a little bit but it was all in good fun. Um, But Jesse, I didn't know that you wanted to be a teacher since you were in seventh grade. That's something you and I have in common. I found out, or I thought when I was in sixth grade that I wanted to be a choir teacher. So both of our little middle school brains were racing at the same time. Don't get me wrong. That didn't help me become a better student. I still sucked, but... (laughs) So I, well, I was a pretty average student too. Yeah, no, I, I, so like I said, I I went to UWSP 
And that's UW Stevens Point for our listeners outside of Wisconsin, which there are some. Yes, not, look at you, big time. Um, yeah, so I, I met some incredible people. Uh, like I said, I went for elementary ed and within a year. And so I decided to go to high school and the real like, I guess, defining factor of high school like why I chose high school is because I think of the real conversations that I had with like my teacher, like Mr. Jonas. I still remember times, you know, class is over, school is ended and I'm in his room and we're talking like about legitimate life, good things, bad things, hardships, where it's like, I want to have, I want to be this for students who might not have, you know, anyone else to really connect or talk to. So that's, that's kind of, I guess, my educational background. And then what about different jobs you had? And it can be non-educational, but jobs that inspired you or made you really think about what you wanted to do? Uh, yeah, inspire is, is, is a word. Um, <laughs> so uh, I grew, uh, in high school, my parents worked at a factory. And so after like summer of college, like, you know, we come home before I was staying there. I would come home and I, and I worked at the factory and you can imagine like with my, you know, my personality, like I was still, you know, fun, loving, spontaneous, can't sit still, like wants to talk to people. Turns out they do not like those traits in factory workers. Now I had never been fired from a job before and I was not fired. I was strongly advised to seek different employment. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> so they did not want me back <laughs> because all I wanted to do was, was talk to my coworkers and make jokes and like, Jesse, get back to your station. Like, oh, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So you could argue that it inspired me to, to pursue a career of teaching. And then I know I would love for you to talk a little bit about what you're teaching now, what grade level, what content, but also I know you have taught in another place or two, maybe. I would love for you to talk about that. So the school I'm currently at is, is a project-based school here in, in Milwaukee. It allows me... Every school has its challenges. Every school has its selling points. Uh, the thing I love the most about the school is I grew up loving history. But the problem was I slept through all of my history classes. But some, some teachers teach history in a sense that it's all from a textbook. It is, you know, read these chapters and memorize these dates and who is this person. And I thought history could be so much more. That there are, you know, if someone asks the question, like, why do you need history? Well, in the way that we were taught it, you don't. You know, when did George Washington cross the Delaware? I can look that up on my phone in 10 seconds. That is not something you need to know. But there are real skills in, in history and social studies, I guess, as a broader whole that are real life, like, you know, they're applicable outside of high school as a real life adult. Half of the stuff you see today is all because people can't have a conversation. They can't, you know, switch perspectives. So that's one of my favorite things to teach. Like, oh, I have a student who hates Trump. Guess what? In this debate, you're going to be Trump's campaign manager and you're going to have to argue for him. And next thing I know, I have this student, they got so into it that they emailed me 
that like, I hate you so much that you have me passionately arguing for this person. Like, and, and, you know, political affiliations aside, like that's what I, that's the fun part of my job where I get to make people, you know, I get to try and teach them how to flip perspectives and how to, how to look at things with empathy, how to find connections. Like, Oh, I'm teaching a class right now about plague times. So we're, we, we read the book, I am legend. We, and I'm teaching them about uh, the black death. And now for their project, they have to look at their own life in COVID, not saying COVID is, you know, like the black death, but we're living through a, a pandemic plague time, if you will. And so they have to make those connections and, you know, where did, you know, the people in history go wrong? Where did we go right? Where did we go wrong that we should have learned from history and, and making connections and, and, and all of those kinds of things. And the school that I'm at allows me to do that virtual, but makes it harder. <laughs> so the, that's the school I'm at here in Milwaukee. And I love it. It's great. Couple not so great schools, but even they had a, even they had a large part to play, you know, the, the school that I didn't necessarily like, it was my first school down in Milwaukee and I had never lived in a big city before. And I'd always wanted to now big city. Those of you, I don't know, your listeners in LA or New York are like Milwaukee, what a joke, but you know, Ripon was 8,000 people, Milwaukee, 600,000. And there's a skyline. Oh my God. For a year and a half, we just looked at the skyline. <laughs> yeah. But it, it introduced me to, you know, urban students, and I fell in love with urban students. I fell in love with urban teaching. And, you know, even though I left that place rather unhappy, it taught me so much about classroom management and, and all of those things that I can now take on to my next school. Um, I guess the, the largest joke, if you will, of my teaching experience, <laughs> uh, whether or not I've been teaching for four, five years or four years determines whether or not I count Spain as a teaching thing. Um, for those of you that obviously don't know, I taught 12 hours a week in a tiny little coastal town on the Mediterranean Sea. My, my life! What? <laughs> I, I had a hotel, like that was my apartment, it was a hotel like complex. There was a living room and two rooms. I had a roommate from Sacramento, but literally big wide, it, like it wasn't a nice place. Trust me, it was not. This will make it sound like it was nice. The place itself was not nice, but you can open this big window and literally the, I was on the Mediterranean Sea. <laughs> and, and so I worked literally from like 9.30, I would have to walk 15 minutes to catch the bus to the next town. I taught from like 9.30 to 11 some days, 9.30 to one, one day. And I think there was one time where I worked 9.30 to two. And that's when school ended. For those of you that don't know Spain, they take a nap at two, at least <laughs> in Spain. The siesta. Like, yeah, siesta. Everyone takes a nap. The whole, whole place shuts down in the Southern half, at least. I could not take a nap because if I went to bed at two, I was waking up at 11 and I was going to be up all night anyways like I didn't take a nap I went to bed that's eight hours <laughs> so I would just be up and I'd go to the beach and go running and so and in far in terms of teaching all I did was it ran it ran the gamut of reading a powerpoint in English to these little Spanish children uh, it was elementary school or I sat in the back corner twiddled my thumbs and every now and then I'd be like oh uh it's actually pronounced cucumber good uh, okay all right cool 
Let me know when you need me. Like I, some, some didn't want me to do anything. Some had me do, I don't know, a lot. How did you get set up with, or like, how did you find out about that? Where was the connection? Because before that you were substitute teaching. Yeah. So there really wasn't one. So I, I am a little bit dramatic. Um, <laughs> you're, you're laughing because yeah, you know. Something we both have in common yet again. <laughs> and I was, I was, I was struggling through student teaching. I was, I was really struggling. And it, like student teaching was a very, very hard time for me, whether I just wasn't like mentally mature enough or ready for it or, or the isolation, the loneliness or the, the long hours, whatever it might be, I was struggling and I got real worried about, for some reason, this idea just started to freak me out. I was going to move to Milwaukee, get a job, find a girl, and then my life is over. Sorry, Stevie. Um, and, and, and I, for some reason that thought terrified me. So I wanted to, I, on my, you know, I have two bucket lists. I have a thing, a list of things that I think I can accomplish, you know, like ride a tandem bicycle. <laughs> then I have another bucket list of things that I don't think I will ever accomplish. You know, on there is something like climb Mount Everest, but also on that list was live in another country. And so I said, this was truly, and this is part of my personality, and I'll, I will talk more about how, why I'm like struggling with this now, but my personality is I'll jump into anything. So I, I took, I literally Google search of teaching in Spain, and it, it gave me this program that looked like it was a scam, and it didn't look great. Sign me up. And sure enough, I got accepted, and it became very real. <laughs> like, so I, there was the first day of uh, our bike and hike class. Oh yeah. Listeners, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> yeah, another fun fact about Jesse and myself. We co-taught, believe this or not, bike and hike to like fourth and fifth graders. It was a summer school class. Um, had I ridden a bike a lot before that? The answer is no. Did I own a bike? No, I borrowed a bike and Jesse normally took the lead of the class and I was the caboose with the slow pokes or slow poke in the back. But for some further context, and I apologize to those of you that have like 35 kids in your class and you're teaching alone, 26 kids in your class, you're teaching alone, even 15 kids in your class and you're teaching alone. We had six kids and two adults. <laughs> it was the dream team. We would just bike to a park. They would play on the gym, on the jungle gym. We'd throw a football and then we'd bike back. We also did a lot of like ice cream trips where we bike <laughs> like half a mile or like a quarter of a mile to like the local A&W. And we were like, that's good for the day. <laughs> All the kids would bring money and, and they just get like their cheese curds and they, and they were so happy. <laughs> so the first day of that, um, I found out that I was going to Spain and I said, whatever. And that's a whole different, that's actually probably why I'm not the jock you are. <laughs> you can lead bike and hike any day, I'm sure. Okay. Are you ready to move on to our next segment? All right, so I'm going to clump a couple questions together and you can answer these however you want. What is going well for you in teaching right now? And then 
teaching tips. So I would love for you to give a tip for the listeners to try. What's a teaching tip, something that's worked well for you in your classroom environment and for your own self-care? So just thinking about things going well, something maybe specific, a, a teaching tip, and then also how you doing? What are you doing for self-care? Going well, that is a very difficult question here in the midst of virtual teaching. I'm going to come back to that one. <laughs> the next one was uh, um, tips. So this is, is my tip. It is also my personality. And so I understand that that it is not everyone's personality. And that is obviously fine. Everyone, you know, needs to find their own like teaching niche. Like what are you good at? And then make yourself really good at it and, and known for it and whatnot. But mine is, I like creating, you know, experiences for my kids. What I mean by that is, is history can be so, try teaching, why 9-11 was a big deal to a bunch of kids born in 2003. To them, 9-11 was the same as World War II, something that happened a long time ago. I wasn't born for it. And so like trying to get kids to, because in order to understand and think critically about something, you need to in some way empathize with it and like kind of see it from your own perspective or from their perspective. And so the thing that I, I would I would offer to people or I would recommend for people, and it's not easy, it's very much not easy, and it's very time consuming, is, is to create an experience. So for example, you know, the best class I ever taught, the, the, it was by far the coolest. I also think I was helped out because I had awesome kids in the class, which obviously is a huge deal. But I needed to teach them one of the skill, one of the standards or skills that I had to teach them was like revolutions and how they affect and change the world essentially. And so what I did was I created a mock trial class where I split the, the, the kids up into two trials. We used the Haitian revolution and the French revolution. I, then I split those two teams up into two more teams where it's defense and prosecution for the Haitian and then defense and prosecution for the French. So the, and you know, carefuling or being careful about the language, we were not about to argue whether or not they should have revolted, but whether or not the revolt did enough to help its citizens. And I could sit there and, and walk them through the steps of the French revolution and this happened and then this happened and then this happened and that means this. But instead, and, and I can't take credit for the idea the class was mine, but I did get the original idea from, from someone else. They created essentially a trial and a script where they had witnesses, they had expert witnesses, they had lawyers, like prosecutors and, and defense attorneys. And it was the coolest thing. So they literally told the story of all of the things that happened in the Haitian and French Revolution they would call up witnesses and the witnesses job was to, to know all of like the, they're at least part of the story and the lawyers would, they have a specific like thing that they're trying to get them. Like, Oh, it did not do enough to help its citizens because during the war they scorched and burned all the fields. And so then when they won, they didn't have any food. Like that's the thing we're trying to get. So they're asking pointed questions. I brought in lawyers from a firm 
to, to like coach up my kids on it. And in the end, this is also one of the most heartbreaking things. There's a skyscraper in Milwaukee and at the top, it's a, it's a, it's a law firm. And at the top, they have a mock trial classroom in the penthouse. And I had that all booked up. We were going to be there all day. We were going to do one trial. We were going to have a, a real judge. And, and I was so excited. And the kids were, I've never seen students work so hard. And I guess that's the reason why I'm telling you this. They worked so hard. They were so invested because they saw it as, as whether it's a competition or the trial, or they, they saw real life skills of being able to argue and ask pointed questions and this experience. And they were so invested in it. It ended up not happening. The day of a law firm called me and said that something happened where like the security things got tripped. And it was also, it was the same building that like the DA is in. So all the doors are like security doors. So everything got locked down. I was ready. I, I actually might have cried a little bit in front of my students. <laughs> but my students, again, because they were so invested, rallied around it and they, they turned my classroom into a trial room and it looked legit. And the lawyers came to our place where the judge or the judge came to our place. The lawyers came anyways, cause they wanted to watch what happened. Um, and we, my school was great. They said, yep, your building, your room is, is locked off. No one else can come in here because you've got this all day. And, and we did it and it was amazing. It was awesome. So think about what you're trying to teach them, whether it's that day or that class, can you demonstrate it? instead of just talk about it. And some things you can, some things you can't. Sometimes you don't have time. And I 100, like I don't, I am not able to do this all the time. But I think of the times where I can. And I just, I think creating an experience is going to go a long ways to, to reach, especially the kids. Like there are kids you don't need to reach. They're great students. They're gonna do it no matter what. But creating that experience can really help some kids. And at the very least, it can get them excited to be in the definitely giving those students experiences. And I think you've touched on a lot of things that have gone well in a normal year. Yeah. So I, I really, and this is, I get, this is more of a personal thing. I really don't know if I can say anything that's going well. Um, you know, Rachel, you obviously know me better, at least than, you know, a lot of people where I'm a very bubbly we, we took a personality test and at the top is like cooperative things, you know, what all those like interaction stuff at the bottom where it says like, all right, these are your most exhausting like skills that when you do them, it's exhausting and it's hard for you. So really, and this is funny because I'm a teacher, but it's organization, planning, goal setting, priority and time management. And that is literally all I do. I don't, every day I go in and it's just, it's eight and a half, nine hours, whatever it is of my worst traits. And it is, it is brutal. It is exhausting. And I, and I never get my bucket filled anymore. And then this isn't an argument to open up schools, obviously with COVID, you know, affecting cities in the way they are. And this, this leans into the self-care thing. You got to figure out what, what you can fill, what can fill your bucket if you're not getting it in the normal way, you know, being, being in the classroom recharges me, 
you know, I, I labor through planning and lesson planning at night and, and on my preps, whatever, all of that is draining, exhausting. I get recharged when I'm interacting with a group of kids and making them laugh and, and you know, getting off topic and talking about something real or, or whatever that might be. That is what charges me up. That's like my favorite thing about teaching. And I am getting none of that right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, just to piggyback off that, I was thinking before our interview today, what do I want to tell the listeners is my teaching tip and self-care tip for the week? Because at the time we're recording this, it's mid-January. I know a lot of districts, including my own, are going through a lot of change and it's very overwhelming. It's very stressful. Um, it's not new to some people and it's very new to others in both teaching and self-care tips. I realized that what I wanted to share with you all today is that you need to do what's best for you in overwhelming and frustrating times. For me right now, that is coming to the realization that there are some things that I have to let go of when we go hybrid in teaching. And that's really difficult to come to terms with. There are things that I will not be able to provide for my students that I've been able to in the past. And I am doing it for my own sanity because we can only take on so much. And of course we wanna do what's best for our students. And sometimes that means doing best for what's best for ourselves first so that we can be our best for our students. So my tip for the week I'm clumping together is it's okay to let go of things if it's what will be best for you in the long run and that will be best for your students. Dang. With that, I oh, think like it's like the airplane like uh please put your mask on before you put the you assist the child <laughs> exactly what's happening right now we're also building the airplane while it's in the air right now so <laughs> yeah is there any other profession that gets more like hurt and takes it so much more personally when they can't please other people in this case students like i, I feel like and this is so not true. This is coming from my own personal like bias. So I apologize. But like, you know, some of my business friends in the, in the private sector, it's like, oh, they can't do their job today. Like they don't, they don't care. But like teachers is like, wait, I can't provide this for my students. Like, oh my God, what am I going to do? Like, is there any, oh my, maybe nurses. I feel like nurses yeah, feel I that way. Say, I think there's a lot of parallels between the medical field and the education field. That was good though, nice. All right, well, it's time to move on to our timed test. God, so next, we're gonna play a little game. As a kid, oh, and this is perfect. Um, I remember loving, loving <laughs> those third grade multiplication time tests. And that was not, when we, we, we feel like we met each other. So this is very relevant. So today we're gonna flip the deck and have a teacher time test. You'll have 60 seconds to answer as many questions as you can. Okay. I'm getting oh. my timer ready. I don't know. They obviously can't see this, but I am dreading this. 
<laughs> he's really nervous. It's funny. I can tell you, I don't think he's listened to any of the episodes yet. So, all right. <laughs> Favorite month of the school year? March. School lunch, always, sometimes, never. Sometimes. <laughs> Favorite thing to do in the summer that you don't do during the school year? Go to the beach. Teacher's lounge, always, sometimes, never. Never. First name of a student that had a huge impact on you? Simeon. Going into school on the weekends, always, sometimes, never. Never, ever, ever. <laughs> a teacher that inspired you as a child? Dan Jonas. Teaching summer school, always, sometimes, never. As an adult, never. <laughs> a teacher that inspires you today. Rachel Sarzyski. Oh, perfect timing. Oh my gosh, that's so nice. All right, you passed. You passed. See, you had nothing to worry about. We got through all of them. I can't well, believe it. Dear right. God, I actually thought it was going to be math, and I suck at math. Right up to the buzzer. Okay. All right, on to our next topic. What advice do you have some, to someone entering their first years of teaching and for someone entering their last years of teaching? Kind of what I said before with the, the first year, the first year teacher, you know, you're just, you're fresh out of college. And obviously I'm not, you know, you and I are not as, as experienced as <laughs> like, most of my coworkers, all of my coworkers, I'm still, I've been the baby in every single school. What I would say to first year teachers, cause you're going to be told so much. You have to do this. You have to do this, whether you think it's relevant or not, they're going to make you do it because you're a first year teacher. And you're going to be thinking about your college experience. Essentially you're going to be trying to like do it by the book. Well, there is no book. And so what I would say is, figure out what your, I don't know if niche is the right word. Like what is your niche? What's your calling card? What is your thing that the students know about you? So for example, my students know that I am the goofy teacher. I'm walking around in unicorn slippers as I read a book. I am making a fool of myself in front of the class for a laugh. That's my niche. That's what I really like. That's what I'm good at. And it's what I really like to do. So you're going to be forced to do all of these things. Find out what it is that you really like to do in a classroom and make sure you focus on that. Be authentic. Boom. There you go. Oh, the, the, the older teacher. This one was, was really tough for me because, because I've always been the baby. I have very rarely like spoken up and I feel like insecure about giving advice to, to people who've done it longer than I have. Um, I can only imagine that when I am 75 and finally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's I, so true. That's <laughs> <laughs> security. <laughs> you know, when I'm 75 and I have grandkids and great grandkids, I will have been dealing with, 14 to 18 year old kids for 50 years. <laughs> <laughs> the 
This is a and, sad reality. And I will, yes. Yeah, sad right. picture. Sad picture you're painting. I mean, I'm already going bald, so that's not too far off, but I'll probably look the same. You see the end, you see the end of the tunnel. I would try and like look back on the joy, kind of similar to my first year, my first year tip. What's your niche? You know, you've learned so much, you've done so much. Go back to your beginning and just to find your joy in the classroom and really, wow, it was the same. I, I didn't know what actually what I was going to say until now, but go back to your niche, finding your peer, like your original joy in the classroom and just ride that off into the sunset. That's a good picture. I love that. All right. We are on to our final question. What are you currently listening to, watching, and reading? Uh, listening to a podcast. And this, this is one of the first times I would show my age in my classroom, which has never been an issue before. The Stars of Scrubs, the TV show, they started a podcast and it is my favorite show for like seven years in a row, like after it was already done for like seven years in a row, especially college, I made sure I watched it all the way through once a year. <laughs> and like, so Scrubs was my friends. I see your, your teacher shirt there, like the, the friends thing. Um, that was my, that was my show. And so I'm listening to the podcast. I think it's just called the Scrub or my best friend, fake doctors, real friends, I think it's called. Watching way too often, uh, Schitt's Creek. Yeah. <laughs> it's so good. I cannot get Stevie to stop talking like Alexis. Ew, David. Just. What, what season are you on? Do you know? Five, I believe. Wait, have you gotten to the episode where you get to hear a little bit Alexis? A little bit Alexis? I'm going to say you haven't gotten there yet. Oh, I don't think so. Oh, you got to message me when you get to the episode. I think it's in season five. I will have to do that. All I know is maybe my favorite character in history is Patrick. Yeah. He is just the coolest dude. He's the best. He is. Um, <laughs> and what am I reading? So a lot of times, you know, I, I used to, I don't know if you remember this. I used to read all the time. I do remember. Every night I would read in high school. And that's probably one of the saddest things that as I've gotten into adult, I've stopped reading. But I, a student turned me on to this series. It was actually a Christmas gift. He gave me this book, um, 1500 pages. And <laughs> it was like the greatest book ever. And so he's still coming out with the series. It's called, I've actually got you on it right now. It's called like the Stormlight Archive. It is just a pure fun, you know, escape from this world. <laughs> but yeah, so I've got this and it, it's, it's like my escape right now. So I will read, you know, um, educational books. Uh, I started reading those in Spain for the life of me. I can't remember any right now, of course, but um, I'll read those. And so, you know, with, with this virtual piece and, and, you know, the, I guess, I guess the hard time I'm personally having with it, this somewhat fills my bucket a little bit. And so I've, I've decided to kind of put away the educational text and, and read these fantasy books. We got to let go of some things, right? Look at you bringing it back. 
connected. You are good at this. Awesome. Well, is there anything else you would like to add before we end today's episode? No, it was good to see you. I, I particularly enjoyed the uh, first 15 minutes when we just sat there without the recording and, and caught up a little bit. That was nice. Great. But no, I, I, all of you teachers out there, God, good, good luck. And I mean, I, it's weird. I've actually, I don't think I've ever thanked a teacher for, for being a teacher, but I, I really should, you know, we, we get thanked quite often, actually, as it is when you think about it, we get thanked for, for doing what you do. And so, you know, all of you out there, thank you so much for, for doing what you do, Rachel, thank you for, for doing what you do. Um, that creative outlet, I think, is so, so important, um, more so than schools give it credit for in some points. Um, so thank you so much for that. And yeah, good luck with the rest of the school year, guys. Well, I would like to thank my guest, Jesse, for joining me today. This was a blast, and it was so much fun to catch up and sit down and talk with you today. Your students and their families and the families and teachers you work with are really lucky to work with you and I'm sure are really thankful for you as well. This was so much fun. Thank you so much. Thanks. And that's it for this episode of My Teacher Friends. Send me an email and let me know what you thought of today's episode, if you tried any of our teaching tips, and how they worked for you and your students at myteacherfriendspodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, remember, teacher friends, take a deep breath, relationships matter, and never stop being authentically you.